Canada's the main character. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Anime Club After Dark's movie reviews, a spoiler-free discussion detailing the good, the bad, and the downright ridiculous of anime movies. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and I am joined tonight by our czar of source material, John. Hello, Joey Bros. <laughs> oh, man. This is why you can't talk about JoJo's before we do the podcast, because I'll just introduce everyone as Natai. Uh See, they're not going to know this, but we spent the last 30 minutes talking about JoJo's before we started recording. (laughs) I know, I know. Which is not actually what we're going to be talking about tonight. What we are going to be doing, however, is doing a movie review that was selected by you, John, and that is for Akira. Yeah, it's been... So, I remember, I was like, it's my turn to choose a movie this month. So, I was like, fuck it. You know what I haven't seen in since high school? Akira. I've not seen it since, right? And I have Hulu, and I saw it on Hulu, and I was like, fuck it. Let's do Akira. I can watch it now. Because for the longest time, I didn't want to buy Akira because I don't want to fucking buy it. Like, I don't buy anime merch, as other people mm. know. I, I barely have anime merch. Like, my room... That's that's a lie. <laughs> I've seen your room. It's covered in Miku shit. See, that's not anime merch. It's Miku stuff. It's different. But mm. it's I'm very hard-pressed. I don't know if that's the fucking word. To buy anime merch like dvds and stuff i I quite literally only own like four blu-rays of anime uh because <laughs> everything i stream everything man I'm, I'm fucking millennial here i stream everything fuck owning stuff <laughs> i fair enough i mean i have a ton of anime blu-rays as many people who have been on our discord server have seen um but i myself haven't watched this in over a decade i've seen it like three or four times now because i did rewatch it in, in preparation for this uh this movie review um, but I think the last time I watched it may have been 2010. Um, so it, it's it's been a while for me. Yeah, see, that's about the same um, time I watched it <laughs> yeah. for the first time. Um, worth mentioning that uh, I, do, I do actually own this on Blu-ray. In fact, um, I bought the uh, 4K Blu-ray release that was done last year. Um, and this is the first time I did get to watch it in 4K, and I do want to say that they did a really, really good job with this 4K remaster. It is not a simple upscale. They actually did take the original negatives for the movie and use those to do the remaster with, so it's a proper HD remaster. Side tangent. Um, So this is hmm. why everything recorded in 35mm film, like I know the anime obviously didn't have that, but when you, Hmm. so we can actually take uh, 35 millimeter film from like you know the fucking 50s 60s whatnot prior to the mm. then and we can actually inf- technically infinitely upscale it so that's why we have a lot of really good like the star wars remasters you know that was shot on 35 millimeter film and that's why they yeah. it looks so fucking good and yeah it's a shame that we went away from the 35 millimeter we know nowadays that it's better so hopefully people in the movie industry continue to do that but it's strange that I'm saying this because I, I very rarely rewatch movies. I don't know what it is about. Like, I can sit through 24 mm. fucking 51 episodes of anime to rewatch something, but I can't rewatch movies. I have zero idea why. That That is that is odd. Um, but yeah, the, the whole thing, we could go on a huge tangent about the recent, like, remastering craze. Um, but yeah, the, 
there is a bit of a resurgence of people shooting movies on film now simply for that reason because you can like you say pretty much infinitely upscale it as needed as long as you have the original film negatives it's not as easy to do in fact it's it's tantamount to impossible to do with a digital file because there's only so much information you can glean from a digital file yeah like if you record in 480p it's gonna only have 480p there's no way to actually. There's only gonna be four eighty p's worth of information there. Yeah, and don't get me fucking started on the whole. Well, you can upscale it to sixty fps and like shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're t- sit sit the fuck down. You can't you can but not without sacrificing quality. It looks so bad and choppy, dude. The AI which using is, AI to fucking upscale for sixty fps when it's shot in like twenty four fps is the worst fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But for, for old films and TV shows, too, that we still have these old negatives for, that's why you're seeing them getting re-released in, like, 4K and stuff, because we still have these negatives, and, I mean, they're not getting any younger. They're eventually going to degrade. I know that there's a company out there now that's actually making new negatives based on old negatives, just so we have these for future use so that we can upscale these old movies as needed as time, you know, when technology marches forward. But anyway, that's a huge tangent and it has nothing to do with Akira. I just did want to point out that the 4K remaster they did for Akira is really, really good. And if you are going to rewatch it, I highly recommend getting a copy of that if you can. Um, anyway, back to the movie itself. A um, little bit of introductory stuff beforehand, like we always do. This uh, movie was directed by Katsuhiro Otomo, who is also the creator of the manga upon which this movie is based. Um, he also did write or co-wrote the script for the movie uh, in tandem with Izo Hashimoto. Uh, the, uh, the movie itself was produced by Tokyo Movie Shinsa, which is today known as TMS Productions, which does at least two or three anime every season still. Holy shit. Is that what TMS stands for? Yes. Oh. That is what TMS stands for. Tokyo Movie Shinsa. That is, I didn't know um, that. Yes. Um, this The film itself was first screened in Japan on July 16th, 1998, which I find funny because the opening scene is actually just from like a week, no, a week and a half prior oh, yeah. to when the movie was released. <laughs> um, and um, the movie was made on a budget of 700 million yen, which equates to roughly 5.5 million U.S. dollars, uh, not adjusted for inflation. Which at the time was a, even for today, by today's standards, it's that's a pretty sizable anime production. At the time, it was ridiculous. Yeah, this um, the movie was released in the late '80s, so to spend 5.5 million on an anime film, that's fucking nutty. Mm. It's funny that the the this budget itself was actually. The, the record was this, at the time this was the most expensive anime production ever done um it was broken i think a year and a half later by the ghibli movie keys delivery service <laughs> fucking ghibli um <laughs> um so for worldwide box office sales i wasn't able to find specific figures um and the most recent figures i could find were from like 2016 um suffice to say it has made over 49 million dollars worldwide since its initial japanese release um and the film itself has a total runtime of 124 minutes or just over two hours it definitely does not feel like a two hour long movie like no it doesn't it feels like something significantly shorter i I definitely thought it was like a fucking 90 minute movie like Mm. i don't know because 
it starts off really slow, but once it starts picking up after like the first 20 minutes and next thing you know, the movie's over. Yeah. So John, you want to get into the art and animation? I guess. <laughs> Listen, I, all right, well, I, all right, before we talk about that, or rather, let me just say, get this out there, man, this fucking movie is dated. Like, holy shit. Does it look old? <laughs> Okay, I want to point out, okay, you're right about, like, the character designs and stuff, but, like, the animation itself is held up really, really well. Oh, yeah, like, it looks really good still. It looks very mm. solid, but, man, is it fucking dated. <laughs> like, Yeah, I mean, it's worth pointing out that as of the time that they're recording this, this is, what, a 33-year-old movie? Yeah, 33, 34-year-old movie. Um, and it still looks, at least animation-wise, it still looks really good. I attribute that almost entirely to the fact that it is hand-drawn. Well, like 99% hand-drawn. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, it definitely looks like a movie that came from the 80s, and this is what they thought the 2000s would look like. <laughs> <laughs> for, for sure, for sure. Um, I mean... I, I say that it's almost entirely hand drawn. There, are, there is some minor, very early CGI that's used in in this, uh, mostly for plotting the path of falling objects and most extensively for lighting effects like lens flares, um, because at the time there was no, uh, there really still isn't a way to do lens flares in hand drawn animation, um, unless you're actually doing it. Well, in animation there isn't, and live action movie shoots there is because you can do it in the camera, but. Um, that's really the only CGI that's used. So I think a lot of the reason that it has stayed relevant in terms of how well it looks despite its age is the fact that it is hand-drawn. And it's it's one of the arguments I point to when people ask, well, why is hand-drawn animation so much better than CGI? It's like, well, look at Akira. That's a nearly 35-year-old movie that still looks good for when it was made. Yeah, and <laughs> especially when you... The fucking CGI with, like, the glass shattering that falls, mm. it looks so bad. <laughs> like, you want to talk about bad CGI? Man, go rewatch Toy, Toy Story 1, all right? Compared to Toy Story, like, 4. Toy Story 4 looks fucking realistic as fuck. But then you go to Toy Story 1, which was released in 1995. 95. Where you, you know, this is technology that's, fuck, seven years older than when Akira was released. And it looks terrifying. <laughs> I never realized how bad CGI looked as a kid until you rewatch mm. it as an adult, you know. And it was kind of the same yeah. thing for Akira. Like, I'm really glad they decided to hand draw everything because, holy shit. I'm trying to think back to, like, um, was that – there's that other anime I talk about a lot. Blue Submarine number six, I think it was, where mm. – a bunch of it is CGI. Like the submarines coming out of the water is all CGI. The water is CGI. And I'm just like, God, it looks so bad. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, I mean, another great example I point to of why hand-drawn animation is superior is, um, uh, gunsmith cats from the mid nineties. Like that's almost entirely hand-drawn as well. And it still looks really, really good today. Um, but like you said, um, the, the, designs that are used in this particularly like the character designs and like the background art um definitely are dated uh the character designs themselves are very much that late 80s early 90s character design look where so many characters for whatever reason have really big foreheads and very basic hairstyles everyone uh, had this I... exact same like pixie cut in the movie like i swear yeah <laughs> yeah it's 
it's crazy. Well, and then you had like what the 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 um the military guy whose name I have completely forgotten. Um, Didn't you just watch this? Like, <laughs> yes, I did. Shikishima. I knew it was something Shima. I couldn't remember the first part. Uh, Shikishima, who has like the just the stereotypical military like crew cut kind of thing going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, it's very, very simple character designs, very basic and, and very much that late eighties, early nineties look. Um, I will say that one thing I think Akira does well, it's not necessarily realistic and it's very much like how people in the seventies and eighties thought the future was going to look, but was that, that cyberpunk visual aesthetic that it has? I really like it. Oh yeah. But I mean, again, it's just, <laughs> this is what people in the eighties thought uh, a future quote unquote future would look like. Like it's uh, it's just like cyberpunk in the same sense, like Ghost in the Shell. It has a very same um, type of design where it's like this is the future. Yeah, where yeah, um, the the bike designs are still really good though. <laughs> oh yeah, the fucking um, the titular Akira bike. Like everyone knows that yeah. bike, and it still looks really cool. I oh god, the slide yeah. is still really cool. I still can't. Yeah, that that is something that's so iconic to the movie and. We see it so much, uh, replicated so much in like uh, other works of art, and uh, mm. not just like yeah. anime, but in real life too. And it's just, yeah, it's still. Cool. And we see it not 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 just in in Japanese or Eastern works. We see it in Western works too. It's been replicated in Hollywood. It's been replicated in music videos before. I mean, it's iconic. Um, something else that along with the design is the idea of the used future designs that it has, which is something that was first pioneered really by star Wars in 1977. Like before star Wars, pretty much any science fiction that took place like on earth in the future, everything looked brand new out of the box. Like, yeah, like the jets and scuffs. (laughs) Yeah. Like it did. Yeah, exactly. And that no scuffs, no marks, no nothing. Um, when star Wars came along and it introduced this like used future design, I I know a lot of stuff in the, um, early to mid 80s use a blade runner was a really good example of of another science fiction franchise that used that or well it is a franchise now uh that used it um and akira does that too and it's like the 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 city neo tokyo that it takes place in definitely looks like yeah it's got its decadent parts but like some parts of the city look really run down and it looks really good well especially with like um the theme about like the corrupt unions and stuff like that and like labor Mm. labor strikes and stuff like that like it's it's very fitting, and it's crazy that the movie supposedly takes place in 2020, you know, like our time. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's funny watching this now because this is the first time I've watched Akira where it actually takes place in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, it takes place in the past. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, at least the past for us now. Um also, I want to point out, um, there's some really trippy scenes in this. Oh, yeah. Um, like, thank- the hospital scene is really... I'd love to get high and watch that because Fuck I'd probably no. it is, it is terrifying. Like, thank again, thankfully, everything is hand-drawn, so it actually did hold up really well. Like, I remember when I watched Akira in high school, I was like, that specifically the hospital scene, I was like, yo, what the fuck is going on? I'm hella creeped out right now. <laughs> and rewatching it now, like, t- more than 10 years later again... I'm still creeped out by it. I'm just like, I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> could you imagine? Dream. Could you imagine that being done in CGI though? It looks so oh, bad. God, it would be so bad, but it it really fucking holds up well with the design choices. Like, hmm. man, I we always talk about how we prefer hand drawn. Like, I can't imagine yeah. the amount of man hours it took to actually like complete this movie because 
there's so much detail inside of drawing all the scenes like that like especially the hospital scene like the all the little parts that make up the the um animatronics i guess you could call them toys whatever they they do kind of look like giant animatronic toys don't they yeah like akira inspired uh five nights at freddy you heard it here first clearly (laughs) clearly did actually kind of Uh, i don't know (laughs) like it i mean maybe there's some truth that i don't know um i feel like chuck e cheese really inspired five (laughs) nights at freddy's probably uh no akira inspired uh chuck e cheese (laughs) akira inspired chuck e cheese listen akira is the father of all modern animatronics did you not know this (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I I think that let, let's let's talk about something that's near and dear to your heart in a lot of anime productions: the sound. Oh my god, I I love the music in this. See, and the weird thing is, I find the music very unsettling, but like, mm. I don't hate it. Like it. So, who was this? The score was created by Shoji Yamashiro, and. Mm-hmm. He's never done any OSTs prior to Akira. He has or since. Or since. And it's like, what, what did we say he was? He's like 55 or 56 when he created the score for the movie. And um, Yes, and he's still alive, by the way. And he's in his early or late 80s. Yeah, like he's 89 or almost 90. And then um, Yeah, I think he's 89 now. And his profession is a scientist, right? Yeah, that's what he. Yeah, that's what he went to school for. Like he, and he's an environmental scientist by trade. I mean, he just dabbles in in music, pretty much. I'm kind of interested in how he came up with the scoring for the the sh- movie. I was about to say show. I'm, I'm interested too. I'm more interested to find out how he actually got hired to do the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, like the sound itself. I wouldn't say it's bad, but there's not really any standout scoring. But the 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 ambiance throughout the entire movie mm. is actually really good. Like, uh, it's creepy. Like you said, it's got a very creepy vibe to it. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know what mm. he pulls from to get those. Like, what ideas he had in his head when he decided to use the chanting type of shit. I was just all mm. I know is it's fucking pretty nutty. Yeah, you know the same thing was kind of used in the original Ghost in the Shell movie too. All the chanting. Ghost in the Shell stole it from Akira. That probably, uh, but yeah. Th- so the music itself definitely draws heavy inspiration from traditional Indonesi- Indonesian uh, gamelan music. Um, it also does borrow elements of traditional Japanese Noah music as well. Um, that's, I mean, that's evidenced by how the, the so many of the tracks in the score use percussion as their back. Like yeah, like very goes, heavy boom, boom. percussion yeah. tracks. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like. Oh. Uh, I don't know. To, to me, it make it, it makes for a really good effect because the um, it, like you said, it adds to the creep factor. It, there are parts where this is really, really creepy and unsettling, and I, I think it just works really well with the story being told. Yeah, because like it's this is a sci-fi film, you know, it's not a horror film mm. or anything, but it's fucking weird, man. Like it, it's mm. got very scary elements to it, not just in the the theming, but like just. How do we talk about the story without just spoiling the story? Like it's kind well, of the main we'll, thing. We'll get to but. that. We'll get to that. But um, something else I wanted to mention is that um, all the Japanese dialogue for this movie was what's known as pre-scored. That means that all the dialogue was recorded before any animation cells for this movie were ever created. That would be um, that is super why when you look. Hard. 
Yeah, well, it's it's not done very very often, um, and that's why when you look at the movie and you see the mouth flaps, that's why they match so closely with what's being said. It's because the animators were doing the mouth flaps based on the dialogue they were hearing that was already recorded, so they could get the timing exactly right. God, I don't envy the sound engineer that had to work on that. That's, <laughs> you know, how difficult that would be. This was actually the very first time this was ever attempted in Japanese animation, and it has only been attempted, I think, six times since. Yeah, like... Um, it's, can, it's, it's difficult to do. Yeah, because you can't just record stuff offhand and then, like... Mm. I guess you kind of could. Oh, man, this, this seems like the it one, creates a lot more work for the animators and, like, the sound engineers. It creates a it creates a whole hell of a lot of work more work for both of those. But one thing it does allow the actors to do is kind of act. Um, they can go kind of act around the dialogue that they've been given. If they come up with a better way of saying something, they can actually try it out and see and see if it works. And then whatever works the best can be put in later. I know that at least when uh, they record. Um other shows and stuff for animation they at least have cells and stuff to show like well this is what the scene is going to look like and these mm. are the type of emotions that are happening like there's a little bit yeah, of for- direction with that and i i would I don't, i'm not a fucking professional voice actor i don't know i assume it would be easier to have if you had direction when it came to voice acting instead of just like hey so we're just going to pre-record this so this is the scene um yeah do it <laughs> So, well, they, they did have a little bit in the when they recorded this. So what they did have, they didn't have completed animation. What they did have was completed storyboards. Okay, So they yeah. were given some idea of how the scene was going to go. Well, that that makes sense. That's, that seems – see, I thought it was just going blind. Hey, you're going to record the scene for this movie that we're making called Akira? Fucking go. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. Nah. They didn't go in completely blind, so they did have a little bit of direction, but it did give the, the actors a little bit of leeway to, you know, probably emote more than they would be able to if the animation had already been done. Okay. Because when the animation's already done, obviously, as a voice actor, you're forced to act within the confines of what's been animated. Now, when you rewatch this, or re- let me ask again. When you watched this originally, did you watch it in English dub or Japanese dub? And the, when you rewatched it, was it any different? Okay, so the very first time I watched this, it was in the original English dub because there are two English dubs for this. So the English dub I watched was the 1989 one, which is not very good, let's be honest. <laughs> like all dubbing prior to the 2000s, it was probably really bad, yeah. Um. And then the second time I watched the, or rewatched it was with the 2001 English dub. When I rewatched it in 2010 or roughly a decade ago, uh, I forget if it was actually 2010. When I rewatched it a decade ago, it was in the original Japanese. And that was the first time I'd ever seen it in Japanese. When I rewatched it today, it was in Japanese again. Okay. So, one thing that I had noticed while watching, because I, I did watch it in um, the 2001 English dub, uh, bless Johnny Young Bosch. <laughs> yes, ble- bless Johnny Young Bosch. He does an amazing job as a voice actor. Like, God, this is in 2001. This isn't like, I guess it wouldn't be at the very start of his career. He's been pretty seasoned so far with like 10-ish years of practice, question mark? Mm. More or less. I don't know when he started voice acting, but... Um, he does a fantastic uh, job you. as um, Canada, 
Canada. Canada, Canada. Uh, He started, well, in anime voice acting, he started in 2000. He was Vash the Stampede in Trigun. Oh, my God. So he didn't even have that much experience. He killed it as Vash. I I never would have guessed that was his very first fucking role. (laughs) But so I... Some of the wording inside of the story was super weird in the English dub, especially when you get to the scene mm. at the end where they're talking, the um the kids are talking, and I was yes. just like, "What? This doesn't like this dialogue doesn't make sense." So I swapped it to the Japanese dub just to like check it out, and no, the the script was word for word like they translated the they didn't do a lot of like um what's the word I'm looking for? Oh my god, I know words. I do know them. <laughs> ad-libbing. They didn't do a lot of ad-libbing and, like, mm. um, mistranslation stuff. Like, it, it's actually kind of verbatim. And I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, not a lot of shows do that, especially nowadays, because just just some idioms that don't make sense in Japanese to translate to English, so I get why they do it. But that was... Uh, mm. That that and uh, there's a huge emphasis these days on getting stuff out as quickly as possible simply because of the sheer amount of anime being made yeah but for a show that for a movie and from the fucking late 80s like i didn't think they would care about translating it basically verbatim Mm. doesn't make the story any easier to fucking follow but Uh, one last thing I did want to uh, point out about sound in particular is that there are a couple of points in this movie where like all pretty much all the sound just cuts out, and that's a cinema a cinemagraphic choice. And I was wondering what you thought about that as someone who's a sound whore. Well, it's a cin- cinemagraphic choice. Like it's good. Yeah, the absence of sound can be very effective when utilized properly. Like I completely agree, and I think it was done really well here too. You don't need to have sound. Like one of my um. I wouldn't say all-time favorite. A horror movie that I really like is A Quiet Place 1. Um, that movie doesn't have very much dialogue. It literally has, like, 14 lines of dialogue. But it's predominantly just, like, silence throughout the entire film. And it's still really good. Because, again, you don't need to have, like, you don't need to consistently have something playing in the background to, like, emphasize, like, oh, this is a thrilling moment. Like, Yes, you can use sound to direct your audience, to let them know how they should be feeling, like, oh, this is a sad scene, oh, this is a triumphant scene, stuff like that. But the absence of sound can also, like, be... If you utilize it well, it can emphasize a lot of things, like whether you're feeling fear, whether you're feeling um, absence of sound, nothing. You don't know what to feel. Like, it's just a strange moment. Like, would you know what happened to you if a fucking nuclear bomb went off? No, you wouldn't. It would happen in a I'd flash. I'd be dead. Yeah, it'd be in an instant, you know? And it's kind of like that's where you could utilize no sound because it's like you wouldn't hear a bang. You wouldn't hear anything. It would just be like an instant just done, you know? It, it's I I do like the fact that they, when uh, this is, I, I guess, a minor spoiler, uh, when Tetsuo goes to space, there is no sound when he's up there. <laughs> Well, I mean, because sound doesn't travel. There's nothing for it to travel in space. <laughs> I know. I, I just I like the fact that they didn't have sound, even though there was there was ample opportunity for them to add it because there was a bunch of explosions going on. Yeah, like um, what's that fucking Interstellar uses a lot of sound, and I, I love the Interstellar soundtrack. You know, like everyone mm. else, but that is a series that the entire movie hinges kind of on the the soundtrack, <laughs> like. Mm. 
because it's just really good. But again, you don't yeah. need to have sound all the time. You can utilize no negatives, like negatives, like you, you utilizing negative space in art. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. One hundred percent agree. Now, this is usually the part where we get really well, not heavy because we try to do these as spoiler free as possible, but we get into the actual narrative of the story. Um, we're not going to do too much of that. It's suffice to say, you and I both agree this story is a little crazy. It's. <laughs> It's nonsensical, okay? Like, I remember watching this in high school, and I couldn't follow the story then. Rewatching it now, I still can't fucking follow the story. Well, I can <laughs> kind of follow the story, but there's just so much going on. Um, you can know the basics. Like, this is set in the future. There's a lot of uh, unrest with the civilians against the government because there's, like, corrupt politicians and corrupt workers' unions and stuff like that. So, very apropos. <laughs> very reflective yeah. of our times you know um, how prophetic <laughs> yeah well this is a problem that we've had a problem with corporations i mean since 100 hell, years ago like it's not anything hell new. it it correctly predicted that tokyo would get the 2020 olympics too yeah that was super weird <laughs> how well i mean i know that every year um or rather every cycle for the olympics people bid on it like every two years i think yeah. it is when they start bidding on hey bring the olympics here I forget exactly the the time frame, but yeah, it's something like that. I want to assume the Japanese government was like, no, 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 we have a movie that says the Olympics was here. Let's bring it here. I mean, Akira was used very early on to promote the the Tokyo Olympics in 2020. Um, I do want to say there is also, with that, there's also another eerie um, prediction that sort of came true with Akira. So in Akira, in, in the movie itself, there's a sign that you see very briefly which calls for the Olympics, which are impending, to be canceled. And at the time this is taking place, the Olympics are 147 days away. Um, the Olympics in 2020 in our world were actually well, postponed uh, and moved for, uh, forward to 2021 147 days before they were due to take place. <laughs> that, that's coincidental, man. Like, I, I, I know, but it's so eerie. It's so eerie. Yeah, but the reason why they were protesting, um, they protested the uh, our real-life 2020 Tokyo Olympics for, you know, because of can we say it? Are we going to get demonetized? I can't. I don't know. <laughs> you mean the, the unspecified virus of unknown origin? Yes, the unspecified virus of unknown origin. Um, <laughs> they moved it, and they wanted to cancel the Olympics because of that. Uh, in the movie Akira, the reason they want to cancel it is because the government is just basically, you know, your entire economy is collapsing because there's not enough good-paying jobs. There's a lot of people out of work. There's not enough land. No one can live anywhere. Again, very similar to real life. And basically, the government is pretending like life is all hunky dory, and we can have the Olympics. When in real life, it's like no, like eighty percent of your civilians are not having a good fucking life. So that's yeah, it's it's different, but at the same time, it's not too different. Like, yeah, again, somewhat prophetic. Um, I also do kind of want to touch. We've mentioned it before, you know. Well, just now, uh, themes of like government corruption are also in this, but also the idea of power versus responsibility, because one of the characters, one of the main characters, Tetsuo, is given a power and then demonstrates a clear irresponsibility in using it. Well, I mean, how do I talk about this without spoiling this fucking you, movie? You can't really. <laughs> like, I mean, like, it's yes, difficult. That is one of the themes. So we do have our two 
main characters i say main because it's like well i mean who's the main care of character of akira like is it the boy on the akira bike um canada or is it tetsuo canada it's canada canada Canada's the main character (laughs) listen i don't speak japanese it's canada canada Canada. yeah canada (laughs) it's canada but uh yeah is it is it canada or is it tetsuo like it follows both of them and their high school high school I want to say they're high school. Yeah, they're high school aged. Okay. They're uh, school students. And, you know, again, they're kind of like in a ba- uh, in a band. They're in a band. A they- band, yeah. <laughs> a band. That'd be great. <laughs> they have tea parties and stuff. Um, Wait, wrong show. <laughs> uh, No, but they're in a gang. And it's there's like they just basically fuck off after school and just get into trouble, which is, yeah, I get it. Like, times are rough. It's a teenage thing to do. Yeah, it's very, it's very Greece in that aspect. It's, it, it's very much like what people in the seventies and eighties probably thought the future was going to be like. Never, never would they have ever imagined that people would have fucking supercomputers in their pocket and would be staring at them twenty four seven. Yeah, that's definitely something. Aliens did that on purpose. I swear. There's not, there's not a single cell phone anywhere in Akira. Oh my god, you're right. Because back then, <laughs> cell phones were giant and huge and. Maybe they didn't think it was part of the future. Huh. I think they thought they were going to be a fad. In fact, the only phone you see in Akira has a fucking cord attached to it. (laughs) No, there's a giant fucking phone that the uh, lieutenant guy uses, I swear. Oh, that well, yeah, okay. I'm thinking that's more of like a two way radio, but maybe it's also a phone. Well, yeah. It My point is that people aren't people aren't carrying around phones that they're staring at twenty four seven. Yeah, that's how you know Akira super unrealistic. Can't even get cell phones right. Every sci fi yeah. person should have known cell phones were gonna enslave our lives. Come on. Mm. Uh, but more more than the story, I think it's important to talk about what Akira's legacy is because it has a very far-reaching legacy that goes way beyond just anime. I mean, even in anime, too, a lot of people um, attribute Akira to kickstarting like a second wave of anime fandom outside of Japan and particularly in uh, North America. Um, the first being like in the, in the uh, early to mid-70s when anime from the 60s were picked up and licensed for um, American broadcast, you know, anime like Speed Racer and Astro Boy. Uh, but this kind of kick-started that late 80s, early 90s boom in the fandom that really kind of went all the way through the 90s, especially with things like Dragon Ball, um, Sailor Moon, Pokemon, and that. Um, but... You see certain scenes in an Akira. How many times have they been copied? Not just in anime, but in many other forms of media. Like we, we mentioned before, the bike slide, right? I cannot count the number of times I have seen references to that bike slide in other anime and manga. Now, like it's everywhere. To be fair, doing a like 180 bike slide is just really cool in general. Like it's a cool mm-hmm. action sequence thing to do. You see it in a lot of movies. I wouldn't say they're all homages to Akira. I'm just saying, like, they probably do it because it's fucking cool. Like, oh, what a badass. Like, he just did something. Like, he destroyed this thing, so he does a 180 slide to, like, fucking finish off his chasers or something. Like, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see shit yeah. like that. But It is. I would definitely it is say, definitely a rule of cool kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. I would definitely say that uh, Akira left its mark because... For one thing, movies are a lot easier to digest than 12 to 24 episode seasons of shows. Like, Mm. obviously. Sitting down for an hour and a half to two hour long movie 
is way easier than sitting down for four hours and watching a fucking TV show where you got to kind of pay attention to the plot. Like a lot of yeah, especially if it's not an episodic show, if it's a serialized show, for sure. And that's kind of like a given. Like a lot of episodic anime are a lot more popular overseas because of that, though, because it's hard to keep someone's attention in general. So I I feel like the reason why Akira did so well is because, again, hand drawn, looks amazing, big budget. It was the first big budget film out of Japan that made people realize like anime isn't just Astro Boy. It's not just kitty like wannabe Walt Disney shit. Yeah, it's definitely it can be definitely be for adults too, which is definitely what Akira is, is aiming for for sure. Now I don't know uh, what Akira is rated, but I, I'm gonna have to assume R18 because you do see some titties in it. Yeah, there are, there's titties in Akira too. I I had forgotten about that until I rewatched it. It's like I always forget that there's titties in this. Yeah. Um, I think the original theatrical release in the United States was rated R. It has to. So, be. It's got titties and blood and stuff. Um. Uh. I was gonna say something else. Oh. Um. Yeah. So one thing I definitely also wanted to mention, and, and with its legacy, is like anime sci-fi. I mean, I don't think we would have gotten. Ghost in the Shell, the the anime movie Ghost in the Shell, at least not in the form that we did, um, without the success of, of Akira and and what it it created. Like I, we even we talked about it. Like the the soundtrack even is very very similar in both movies. Yeah, um, and um, the aesthetic is similar. The just it, there was a really good anime sci fi from the late eighties through the mid nineties, and I don't know what happened. I'd also argue Blade Runner took a lot of inspiration from um, Akira's mm. like cyberpunk future, but I'm that's just me assuming. I don't actually know. <laughs> I think Blade Runner actually came out before Akira, so if anything, Akira took inspiration from Blade Runner. Did it? Did Blade Runner actually? Did Blade Runner come out in the fucking seventies? No, it didn't. Uh, no, I don't know. I forget exactly what. Nineteen eighty-two. Oh, so oh my it god! It did come yeah. out. It did come out before before. Um, uh, before Akira, so anime is alive. Akira stole everything from Blade Runner. <laughs> also, there is one other thing I definitely wanted to mention, and I, I, I'd love to get your opinion on this too, John. So it has been announced. In fact, it was announced in t- 2019, I believe, um, that Akira is getting a quote-unquote reboot, um, and the. Uh, Otomo, the original creator of the manga, is also coming back to direct this. It's actually going to be an anime series, um, and it's going to completely adapt the manga. It's going to be so. One thing that I did we haven't really talked about is this uh, anime movie. While it is directed and written by the guy who did the manga, there are several story differences, and the movie itself only adapts the first roughly half of the manga. Um. So one thing they're going to do with this is it's going to be a complete adaptation of the entire manga, and it's going to be more in line with the actual story of the manga. So I'm curious as to what you think is going to come of this. Hopefully a better, easier to understand story because my God, there's so I have so many questions, you know, and I didn't even know this was based on a manga prior to like, what, 10 minutes before we started recording because you told me so. And I was like, what? It's a manga. I didn't know that. (laughs) But uh, yeah. I hope that the adaptation, the anime adaptation, will do better in explaining a bunch of stuff. Because, like, 
<laughs> we don't we still don't know who akira is by the way like why is it why is it called akira like i i know now why it's called akira but like who was akira yeah, I'm still wondering who the fuck was Akira. Do, do you know? Do you know when in the manga you find a lot of that out? At the end, in the second half, that wasn't adapted. Oh my god, yeah. So, <laughs> I, and that's like a lot of my problems with the story is that there's so many things going on, and it doesn't pick anything to focus on. You know, we've got Tetsuo's drama, we've got Kanada's drama, we've got the political unrest of the world. You know, mm-hmm. and then you, you you've got like the Akira guy. Like, there's so much going on, man. Like nothing gets answered. Everything kind of just comes to an end at the end of the movie, and <sighs> I think I think having a serialized format, like you know, for a TV series, which is what this is apparently going to be, will definitely help in that. Um, I think that Akira is as great as the movie is, and as great of a legacy as it has. I definitely think the story of the manga that was being adapted definitely lends itself more to a television series style of, of storytelling than a movie. Um, yeah, because also <laughs> worth noting that the studio behind this is Studio Sunrise, so uh, take that for what it is. Is that Sunrise the Netsu? Uh, it's it's Sunrise as in Cowboy Bebop and Code Geass Sunrise. Oh, okay. I was like, Sunrise the Netsu? The people who do Gintama? I'm like, what? Yes. Oh, that is sun- that is Sunrise the Netsu. It's, it's, yeah, it's the same studio. Oh, my God. I didn't know they did Cowboy Bebop. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it might be good. Uh, I'm looking forward to either way because one thing I think you and I, John, have agreed on in the past is that um, anime is severely lacking these days on good science fiction. Yeah, like, I can name on my fingers, like, I, I actually, I can't even name 10 sci-fi anime that I like, to be honest. I mean, yeah, uh, we're, we're, and it's not just anime either. There's definitely a, a drought right now of good science fiction out there, and it's a shame uh, because, and maybe it's because we're living in the future. I don't know. Um <laughs> But I'm 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 really happy to see what comes of this, and I have really high hopes for it. I'm sure they'll all be dashed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as with most but, things. Uh, to finish off this actual review, let's do our uh, our scores. So I, I'll start. Um, I yes, the story has problems, and yeah, it, it's certainly not perfect. But I give this a ten out of ten mostly because of what it helped foster. It certainly helped foster a lot of new people getting into the anime fandom in the late eighties and the early nineties. Um, it it gave rise to things like the Ghost in the Shell movie, which is still one of my favorite anime things ever. Um, and it really paved the way to the modern anime fandom that we have. I don't think we would have gotten it anywhere near as quick without something like Akira. Um, its animation still holds up well, in my opinion. Um, it's, it, looks, it still looks great considering the time it was made. Um, and as bonkers as the story is, I still love it because I think a lot of it abides by that rule of cool. It still looks cool yeah it's grotesque and creepy at times but it still just looks cool and for that i give it a 10 out of 10 not perfect but still 10 out of 10 <laughs> no 10 books. out of 10 would imply that you thought it was perfect but i understand where you're coming from like again akira's legacy and everything that it it has helped in the anime industry it is a good film i didn't put a score here because i wanted to shock you with what i was going to score it are you going <laughs> to say one out of ten no, no, I definitely wouldn't say one out of ten. 
Uh, it's actually more of an 8 out of 10 for me. Now, oh, okay. It's not that low of a score because you're right. It does look beautiful. And this is so this is a show that I thought, oh, yeah, I, re- I'm, I remember the basic story of what goes on. Like, I'm just going to rewatch it, like, just off onto the side as I'm doing something else. Like, I, I normally, that's how I watch media. I, I play it on my other screen while I'm doing something on my main screen. But for Akira, like, I started it, and after about the first 20 minutes, it starts getting really heavy. And it's so interesting to watch because you're like, even though I remember the story and everything like that, I was still like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, this happens. And then I see all the faults with the story and the plot and stuff. Like, why does Kanada fall in love with this random lady? What is the resistance doing? Like, why are they doing all this stuff for this person? There's so many questions I have for the the plot of the entire series. And that's my biggest issue, the fucking plot. But Mm. everything else about the movie is enjoyable. Like, Mm. It's got a good soundtrack. I wouldn't say it's the best soundtrack. It's not anything amazing that I'd fucking want to, like, listen to 24-7 like I do for, like, Overlord or something or Ghost in the Shell. But it's good. It fits, you know? Uh, And holy shit, does it still look fucking good. Other than the CGI bits. Like, the the, the falling (laughs) glass thing, like, I get. I remember seeing that. I was just like, what the fuck is that? Is that CGI? I can't tell. And that's understandable. It looks so bad. Like, was this an accident? Is my web player bugging out right now? Like, who knows? <laughs> but I, I want to rate it higher because I know how much of an impact it has. And I do enjoy watching the movie. Like, I did on a lot of rewatches of movies, specifically anime movies. I always go, oh, yeah, that was as good as I remember, mm. you know. For Akira, after rewatching it, I was like, that was actually better than I remember. I was like... Shit, it still looks fucking amazing, <laughs> other than CGI. And again, it's fucking that hospital scene. I still I get nightmares about that shit. Hello, sleep paralysis demons. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, hello, sleep paralysis demons. I can't. I don't like dolls. Okay, I, that, they freak me the fuck out. Says someone uh, with fucking a million Hatsune Miku anime figures. Those aren't dolls. Okay, okay. I'm talking about like. <laughs> listen, when I was little, uh, side tangent. My parents are very young. So they took me and my sister to go watch The Bride of Chucky, The Seed of Chucky. Oh, my God. Why would you take a child to that? Because my dad wanted to see it. And I remember watching that when I was a little baby. Like, I was like six or seven or something. I don't remember what age it was. I was young. I was younger than 10. Mm. And that is what started this whole fear of dolls. Okay. Okay. Understandable. Have a nice day. I cannot get over it. (laughs) Like, ugh, fuck. Anyway, it was still a very enjoyable uh, movie sequence, but it is one of the other movies that I I thought I was going to hate it more than I I did because it's old. One thing about rewatching a lot of old shows is that they don't tend to hold up very well. Akira, again, other than the plot, but the plot was weak from the beginning, holds up really fucking well. Mm. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and I wouldn't say that your score shocks me. I, I 100% understand it. Um that's it that's that's gonna be our review of of akira um been looking forward to this i thank you john for giving me an uh, an excuse to rewatch this in 4k for the first time holy shit i should have watched it in 4k it would have looked even better (laughs) um i will say for anyone out there i mean if you haven't i'm assuming if you've gotten this far you've seen the actual movie if you haven't had a chance to watch it in 4k like i said at the beginning definitely give it a shot they did a really really good job with this remaster 
uh, because they still had the original negatives to work with. It looks phenomenal in in 4K. Uh, that being said, um, Show actually isn't here, but uh, Show is the person who chose the next movie we are going to review. I have a feeling it's just going to be me and him, <laughs> especially with the movie that he chose, because the one he chose, I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher this pronunciation, by the way. Uh, the movie he chose is Umibe no Etranger. Etranger. I it's it's Fr the French word for stranger. Etran Etranger. I think it's Umibe no Etranger. Is how you should say. It. Anyway, the the English title is The Stranger by the Beach. Um, it is a BL slice of life movie. So um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Natai said he was going to be on it. Well, I maybe. Um, we'll find out. Uh, but that is going to be our next movie that we review on Anime Club After Dark. So definitely look forward to that. Um, do you have anything else to say about Akira before I wrap this up, John? No. I mean, I've got a lot to say about Akira, but nothing that <laughs> no, is nothing be without good spoilers. For our spoiler free. <laughs> yeah, nothing without spoilers. <laughs> all right. Well, with that said, thank you all there for dropping in to listen to us. Check the description below to find links to Anime Club After Dark on Twitch, on social media, and on Discord. Check out our merch store and our affiliate links as well. Any purchases you make there do really, really help us out. With that, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, John. Good night, John. Tetsuo! Canada! Yeah.